Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Well, if I have the chance to meet you yet, my name is Samuel and Becca, the lovely one that was just up here, and I have just the ab absolute honor and privilege of leading here at Life West. It really, really is. Well, we're continuing is talking about prayer. But before we do, um, real quick, I do want to baptisms in two of uh, bringing up another one. Baptisms going in and out. If you've not been baptized, thank you so much. Since you believe, then we'd love to have you be a part of that. That's in two weeks right here. So you can sign up lifewest.church. Um, it's baptisms. Uh, please, we'd love to have you be a part or just stop by the welcome desk back there and say, hey, I want to be, how do I be a part of that? That's how you do it. We'd love for you to be a part. Now, if you have kids that have been talking about it and you're like, well, I don't know, kind of how does that work? Here's how that works here. If you believe as a parent that they understand what baptism is, that it is a symbol and that it represents us dying to our old way of living and that we bury that old self and we say, God, I'm going to be new for you, then whatever age they can understand that, we'd love them to do that. The Bible says believe and be baptized. So if they believe and they want to be baptized, then let's baptize them. Absolutely. So not an age, um, but if you as a parent, you look at that and you say, yes, I think it's time, we'd absolutely love them to be a part of that. And just so you know, um, here, we, if you're a parent and you want to baptize, absolutely bring your suit too, and I think you should. You can baptize your kids and other, yes, absolutely, so definitely be a part. So that's coming, that's in two weeks, we'd love for you to be a part. And we've been talking about prayer, and, and last week we, we talked quite a bit about knowing God's word and standing on his promises about what we're praying about. And so a tool for that, and I really wanted to mention this last week, but I forgot, is, is this. And this is something um, that I grew up, my parents used um, something very similar to this, and then this later. Um, and this is this book, and it's called Prayers That Avail Much. And really what it is, is instead of you going through the Bible and trying to find a verse that has to do with what you're talking about, you can look up a prayer like, I wanted to pray for some family members who aren't saved. And you open it up and it's like praying for the lost or praying for um, healing or praying for whatever it is. And then they have prayers listed that are literally verses just taken out. And then it shows you where the verses are found. So you can know this is the verse that I'm standing on when it comes to healing. This is what we're talking about when it comes to provision or this person here needing this um, wisdom. You're like, God, I need, I need wisdom. I need favor. How do I pray for favor? You look up favor. And there's a bunch of scriptures that will help that help you with that. So if this is something that would help you, we have these back at the welcome desk. Please check those out back there. Um, I love it. I have the digital version because it's easier to find things. So there's that as well. There's paper. But we'd love, if this will help you, please, please get one. They are, they are very, very helpful. I have loved them through the years. And, and today we're continuing. And today we're talking about something a little bit different. We're talking about prayers. But we're talking about unanswered prayer. And I'm pretty sure that if I was to ask for a show of hands, that just about every hand in here would go up that they've prayed something that God hasn't answered. I, I, I know I have. Um, 
our first two kids are girls. And immediately I was like, girls, oh no. I'm like, well, what am I going to do here? And I prayed, like from day one. I'm like, God, make them ugly and awkward until they're 22. Like, please, please, please. And he did not answer that prayer. Like, he, he did not, not at all. Now, that's kind of funny. But at the same time, I know there's a lot of prayers where it's not funny at all. It's very serious business where people are, and they don't understand and they don't know, but there are prayers that they would give anything to have answered, and they have not been answered. And so we're going to talk about unanswered prayers this morning. And I honestly believe that the number one reason, the number one reason why we do not see some prayers answered is that we come to God. We approach God as if we're trying to get him to do something for us instead of using what he has given us. We want him to act on our behalf instead of using the authority that he has given us. Now, we're talking about prayer, and really, I, I want to make sure that you never base, you don't leave and say, well, that's, where, that's what Samuel said, so that's just what I'm going to go do. That you never base it on me, but that you, we give you a strong scriptural foundation for this. And so a tool to help you do that, so there's going to be a lot of scripture today. It's on the screen. I hope you can, you can see it up there. You can write down. You can highlight the things that you like. But also, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone and you go to events inside there, you can type in Life West Church and all of our scriptures and all of my notes will show up there. So even more scripture than I'll even get a chance to cover today will be in there. So grab that. Get out your phone, please, if we don't mind. I just figure if you're too bored, then I need to change something. If you're on your phone, it's me, not you. But honestly, please feel free to get on your phone, look through there, see what's on there, and that can help you to say, oh, yep, that's a verse I really like. You can copy, paste, you can send that wherever you would like. So that's your YouVersion Bible app. If you open it up, go to the bottom corner, hit the More button, Events, type in Life West Church. Okay, with that, we're going to dive in. And we're talking about prayer. We're talking about unanswered prayer, very specifically unanswered prayer. And in, and in Genesis, there's, I think, just a great illustration of this. Moses has just led the children of Israel. The children of Israel were captive in Egypt. Pharaoh had treated them horribly, and, and uh, they, they were slaves. Moses went and got Pharaoh to let them go. Long story short, they're leaving Egypt. They're on their way out of Egypt. Moses is the one that's leading them. They get and they camp out, and they camp out next to the Dead Sea. And Pharaoh changes his mind, and he decides, I need these guys. I just let all of my labor go. I need them. What's going on? Go get them. So he gets his army, and he goes after these guys. And Moses looks and sees Pharaoh's army coming after them. He's got the sea behind him, and he's like, ah, what am I going to do? And he did what I would do. He did what I would do. And he cries out to God, and he prays. And in Exodus Chapter 14, verse 15, it says this is what happened. That the Lord answered Moses and said, why are you crying out to me? And, and part of me is like, wait a second. What do you mean, why is he crying out to you? But here's the deal. I believe that God says that same thing to us sometimes. When we do not realize the authority that we have, when he's given us what we need and we're crying out and we're like, God, what are we supposed to do? I do believe that he's like, why are you crying out to me? I've given you what you need in the authority. And we talked a bit about this last week. In Jesus' name, the authority that he's given us where we cry out to him. I love that answer that God gave Moses. 
Why are you crying out to me? Now get those people moving. Get those people moving. God had given him what he needed to do. So we're going to look, and we're going to start with the early church here. So this is Acts. And in Acts chapter 3, it says this. But Peter, Peter's headed to the temple. He's headed to church, basically. And there's a beggar that had been set outside the church. And this guy had been there for a very long time. Everybody knew, everybody knew him. Very familiar with him because he's out there just asking for money. Maybe they kick him. Maybe they give him money all the time. Maybe they're like, oh, no, he's asking again. But everybody has seen this guy. Well, as Peter's walking by, he gets, the beggar gets his attention and says, hey, just like give me some money. And it says this in verse 6. But Peter replied, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But what I have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, he does. The next verse says is he gets up and he's completely healed. He starts running and dancing. But know what he did not say. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. What he did not say is, he did not say, God, please heal him. He did not say, well, God, if it's your will, he used the authority that we have in Jesus' name. And he said, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. Now, a whole whole crowd ends up coming around because they see this guy, and they're like, wait a minute. And I'm sure one of the people in the crowd were like, see, I knew he was faking the whole time. Like, he can actually walk. Look at this. But, here, but anyways, they, there's this whole entire crowd, and I love this because Peter sees this crowd coming around trying to see what's happening, and he sees it as an opportunity. And so this is what it says in verse 12. Peter sees this opportunity and addressed the crowd. He said, people of Israel, what is so surprising about this? And why do you stare at us, though we made this person, this man walk by our own power or godliness? Now, I'm just going to stop right there real quick, and I am going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and think and say, I believe that the number one reason that mo- if you were to ask Christians why they did not get an answer to prayer, I was, the number one answer that we would get is that one right there. This right here where it says, he, he answered it. He said, why do you stare at us as though we made this person well by our own power or godliness? I would say the number one reason that people would give is, I'm not godly enough. I did something wrong. There's something wrong in my life. I'm not godly enough. But he says, that's not why this happened. He says, that is not it. And then he goes on, and we're going to go down to verse, verse 15. And he's talking to all of them. He says, you killed Jesus, the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we're witnesses of that fact, verse 16. He says, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. He says, faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Before your very eyes. We have authority that we've been given in Jesus' name. Now, some of you are looking at me like, like a cow at a new fence. You're just like, what is that? Like, what is this? Like, I don't understand. Like, what's happening right now? So we're going to go, and let me just lay a little bit of a foundation for you when it comes to this authority that we have in Jesus' name. If we go to Genesis, the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, and it says this about man in verse 26. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay, he says, and let them have dominion over the 
over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the entire earth. But then what happened? Well, in Genesis chapter 3, we see that they're at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God told them not to eat from. That Satan comes in the form of a snake, tempts Eve, she eats, takes the apple that she ate, her husband who was with her, and just stood there silently, dope, and then he took, and he ate as well. So now they both eat. And in doing that, they gave dominion to the devil. And some of you be, might be like, well, that's a bit of a jump. They just ate some fruit. Well, here's how we know. Romans 6.16 says this. It says that we are a slave to whomever we obey. And that's what they did, is they chose to obey the devil. And then in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is now on the earth. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is on the earth, and he's out in the wilderness. And Satan comes, and he tempts Jesus. And one of the temptations that Satan uses against the devil, he says this in verse 5, Luke 4, verse 5. says, the devil led him to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and said, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. Verse 7, so if you worship me, it will all be yours. That would not have been a legitimate temptation if the devil couldn't do it. He could do it. When did that transfer happen? God gave that authority to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve gave it to the devil in the garden, and the devil had it. And the devil had it, and Jesus is right there, and the devil says, I'll give it to you. And I'll do a whole sermon on this sometime. But he wanted to give Jesus what he came to get, but he wanted to give it to him the wrong way. He's like, this is what you're here for. I know what you're here for. I'll give it to you. It's mine to give to you. That's how we know that he has it. But Jesus defeated in his death. Jesus defeated Satan. As it says in Hebrews 2, verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood too, he, Jesus, shared in that humanity. So that by his death, he may destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Colossians 2, 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That's what Jesus did. So Jesus now has that authority. So what does he do with it? Jesus has all that authority. So what does he do? Matthew chapter 10. And when he had come to his disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came to them saying, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. So go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So we need to remember who we are when we become Christians. 2 Corinthians says it this way. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though Christ was making his plea through us. We are his ambassadors. So all that power that he has, we are his ambassadors. When an ambassador is in a foreign country, they're not there on his own. That's just one person. The embassy is there, and they're there. But they represent, when a U.S. ambassador is wherever they are, they represent us. And an attack on that, ass- that assembly, not assembly, 
I just lost the word. I just said it a minute, a minute ago. Embassy. Attack on that embassy. Thank you, Joel. Is it an attack on the U.S.? We're Christ's ambassadors. When we speak, we speak for him. That power that he has, we have as well. And then in Luke 10, we're going to look at what happened to all this authority. Where is it and how do we use it? Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the evil spirits submit to you, but rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. And now maybe you're thinking, well, okay, but it, was that just the disciples? Was that, was that those people? Does it really apply now? How do I? Mark 16, 15. And then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news to creation. Verse 16, whoever, turn to the person next to you and say, that's you. Turn to the person that you avoid and say, it's you too. Okay, whoever, so this is you. This is you. It says, whoever believes and is baptized. There it is again, believe and be baptized. So if you've not believed, if you've not been baptized since you believed, in two weeks, we'd love to have you be a part of that. It says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not will be condemned. Verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poisons that will not hurt them. They will place their hands on the sick people, and they will get well. That is for whoever. And it is, yes, you can be excited about that, because that is for you. And over and over, I think way too many times, we have Christians asking God to do something, and he's like, I've given you the authority to do it, I've given you everything that you need to do it, so do it. And we pray these milk toast prayers, God, would you heal them? And he's like, I've already died on the cross. I've already done it. God's word says, by his stripes we were healed. He's like, so stand in the authority that I've given you and take authority in that, the authority that comes in Jesus' name. It's in Jesus' name. We need to use that. We need to use it in Jesus' name. James 4, 7, it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It doesn't say he'll send the archangel Michael to come down and to fight on your behalf. But that's what many of us want. That's what we want to pray. But God's word says resist the devil, and he will flee from you because you're Christ's ambassador. And the devil knows who you are better than you know who you are in Christ. And when you speak and you use that name of Jesus, the devil's like, oh, no. Oh, no. I got to go. I can't stay anymore. This isn't up to me anymore. We need to use his name. Use the authority. Walk in the authority that we have in Jesus. Now, I'm, as, as I'm saying this, please do not think that God is a, a genie in a bottle. Rub the lamp this way and he'll grant your wish. I have, I think a good example of this would be uh, shortly after we got married, Becca and I got married, um, both of us started getting really sick. And um, it was like our throat. Like I started to lose my voice really, really easily. And I'm like, man, this is just no good. And Becca's like, it's just not good. And we're praying. And I'm like 
this, is, this must go in Jesus' name. I'm using my authority. I don't care what this is. In Jesus' name, you go. If it's demonic, you can't stay in this family. I don't care what it is. You're out of this house. You're gone in Jesus' name. And we were not getting any better. In fact, we were getting worse. And I'm like, I'm getting so frustrated. I'm like, I know what God's word says. What is going on? Like, like this isn't working. I'm like, I'm, ugh. Like, what do I do? This is not working. And, and one morning, I wake up, and I go in the bathroom. I'm like, oh, oh my throat's just really bad. So I go to the sink. I'm like, I hack this filled loogie. I'm like, ugh. There's a point to the loogie, okay? And I look, and it's blood. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. I do not understand this. And, and I'm like, okay, well. I know we're healed in Jesus' name. I command it to happen. And I don't know if it, was about, if it was the next day or the next. But I was laying in bed. And, and we woke up. And I'm laying there. And, and I'm just like, okay. You know, you, you know, you probably would the same thing that you do in the mornings. You lay there. You're like, okay, what do I have to do this morning? I have to get up. Like, what, I'm, I'm not late. I don't have to jump up. Like, okay, what's happening? And all of a sudden, I'm like, I sit up. I'm like, I need to clean the humidifier that's in our room. Now, just so you know, I've never woken up a day in my life and thought I need to clean anything. Okay, ever. That's never happened to me before or since. And oh, I need to clean. No, never. An absolute miracle that I even thought that. And I get up, and, and we did. We had a small little, like, room humidifier. And so I walk over to it, and I'm like, no, 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 no. And Beck's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I want to clean this thing. And I, and I pick it up, and, like, just part of it, like, I take the, the cylinder thing off. And I look. And there's this little filter that the water and the air go through to make it humider in our room. Yes, I know, I said humider. And uh, I look at it, and it is covered in black mold. Just absolutely covered. And I'm like, clean, <laughs> plug it. And I'm, just, I'm like, I'm throwing this away. And I throw it away. And our throats cleared right up, problem solved. Here's what I know. God could have. Snapped his fingers and that black mold could have been gone. And I think so often we get stuck because we're looking for an answer a particular way. We're like, God needs to meet this need this way. Now, there's sometimes where it's black and white. You're like, it's broken or it's not. It's here or it's not. I'm pregnant or I'm not. They're alive or they're dead. But there's other times where God's like, I'll show you. And I believe that was an absolute answer to my prayer. Again, never have I woken up thinking I need to clean anything. But I did. Like, and that solved, that was exactly, exactly what I needed to do. And I do, I do believe that the number one thing that we need to know and we need to use is the authority that God has given us. And when it comes to issues in our family, we are taking authority over them and saying, no, this isn't going to happen. I am Christ's ambassador. And so in Jesus' name, this has to stop. And we take authority over it. I'll just tell you, I don't always know what to pray. So I always do. And I'm kind of like, this is slightly embarrassing, but I just do what I know to do. And I remember one time in particular, um, Becca and I were having a, she's already laughing. Do you know that I'm, where I'm going on this one? We had a disagreement. And it was just getting worse and worse. And I'm like, this is just so weird. I don't understand. I don't know why. 
And, and typically when we disagree, it's like, well, let's pray and let's talk about this. And so we pray and we talk about it and it's still not getting any better. And, and we were actually laying in bed and we were still arguing. And I'm like, I do not know what to do. And I'm like, well, here we go. So I lean over, I put my hands on her and I'm like, cast your demon or whatever out. Like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, be free. And she looks at me and she goes, did you just cast the devil out of me? And I'm like, yes. I don't know what to do, so I'm going to God's word. I'm doing everything I know to do. I don't know what this is, but I'm covering every base there is. And it's only happened once, so maybe it worked. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know. But we need to go to God's word. And we say, okay, God, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to take my authority. I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to speak your word into this situation. And I'm going to stand on it. I am going to stand on your word. Now, there's other times where the Bible says, ask, and you will receive. So it is not that we demand everything, but we do stand on the authority that God has. And what does it say? Over and over, he says, because of evil spirits and sickness and disease, that we command that in the name of Jesus. As we read through Acts and we see what the early church was doing, that's how they handled it. Yet it says, ask for wisdom, and you will receive ask and you will receive. And there are things that are literally speed bumps in the way of us answering, of us having answered prayer. And so really, the next one that I want to hit on is this, is Mark eleven twenty four. 24. It says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. But when you pray, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. It says, when you pray, it will be yours, but. Now, there's all different size buts. This is a big but, okay? It says, before it says anything will be yours, but. And really, my kids come up to me, can I have, and right now, it's ice cream. That's all they want. It's like hot outside. They're either going to ask about ice cream or sprinklers. Like, can I have a sprinkler? Can I have ice cream or can I play in the sprinklers? If they're going to ask for ice cream, I say, yes, you can, but. We need to have this cleaned up here. Is your room clean? This needs to be taken care of. Are you done with school yet? What was happening over here? And that but is the transition. That you can have that, but this needs to be taken care of. And that's, that's what this is right here. He says, but if you hold, first, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. I don't know the exact reason. However, we have been forgiven so much that God does not put up with us holding unforgiveness towards anybody else. We have been forgiven so, so much. In fact, it says that if we don't forgive others, God won't forgive us. He's like, you've been forgiven so much. The person that wrongs you, we need to forgive. And we need to walk in that forgiveness. And something that literally can and does hinder our prayers is unforgiveness. It is unforgiveness. He says, but you need to forgive. And it can be as simple. Let me just say, if that person is already gone and you're thinking, well, wait, you know, I know I'm holding something against somebody, but they're gone, they're out of reach, they're dead, or how, how can I do this? Let me just say, you, forgiveness can be a prayer. It's a decision that you make. 
to release another person. And so often we think we're setting them free, but we're the ones that are in prison. Unforgiveness is the one that's locking us up. And it really can be as simple as you praying, saying, God, I forgive whatever their name is for what they did. I'm not, and here's the deal. You're not saying that it's okay. I don't know what has happened to you. You're not saying that it's all right. And then and forgiving somebody does not mean that you give somebody who has caused pain or, or hurt to you or, or abuse back into your life and give them unrestricted access anymore either. Please don't think that that's what forgiveness is. Please do not do that. Forgiveness is I'm not going to hold that against them any longer. I don't harbor ill will towards them. It's a decision that we make, and then we have to walk out. I know it's not easy, because you can make that decision, then you see them, and you're like, I don't know if it's stuck. Or even worse, you hear about something good happened to them, and you're like, oh, really? Well, they don't deserve that. How could that happen to them? You can't even be happy for them, because you're holding on to that. It's something that we have to walk in. And here's what it is. I know that unforgiveness, is it truly is divine. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so forgiveness is this. You say, God, I forgive them. Help me to walk in that forgiveness. And the tool, the number one tool he gives us to walk in that forgiveness is this. In Luke 6, 28, he says this. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for those who mistreat you. This works. I know, I know firsthand. Um, I'm not easily offended. You'd have to try really, really hard to offend me. I don't know exactly why. I, I, I just don't. And, but there's one guy who, let's just say, tried to do me a lot of harm and tried really, really hard. It didn't work, but he gave it his best shot. And I said, okay, I forgive him. And then I'd see him. And I would just be like, have this like, like come up. Like, you're like, oh, should I pray? Could that fall on his head right now? Type of like, you know, just, just these feelings would come back up. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray for him. And every time those feelings would come up, if I saw him or heard that something good had happened or, or whatever, something that he was involved with went well, if even just the slightest little like came up, I would just pray. I'm like, God, I thank you for them that they're forgiven, that I'm forgiven, that you have a plan for them, that you're going to use them to build your kingdom, that you, they're going to be a light to their family, to their workplace, to everywhere, that, and I'd pray for them. Until, finally, I would see them or hear a good thing and this, and just be like, well, good. And I remember thinking, wait a second. I didn't think that. I wasn't like, well, maybe it'll fail eventually. You know, I wasn't even thinking any of that. I'm genuinely happy for them. It really does change us, and the num that is the number one tool. Because it's easy to, to forgive until you see the person. And we have to walk it out. Forgiveness is a decision, but it's a decision that you have to walk out every time you see them, every time you hear a good thing, every time those feelings return, whether it just comes in our mind or wherever it is. It's another thing that God has given us that when it can, it can come, and it can hinder our prayers. And praying is not Please, our, our goal in this series is that your prayer life would be more powerful, more fun, 
and more effective than it has ever been before, that you would understand some of the things that may be hindering your prayer, that you would look to God's word more and more and be more sure of the authority that you have and the scriptures and the God's word that you're standing on when it comes to prayer. And another one, and this one, this one's for you guys, that can really hinder the way that we pray is found in 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, husbands, in the same way, treat your wives with consideration as a delicate vessel and with honor as fellow heirs of the grace of the gracious gift of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. I'll just drop the mic and go. The way that we treat our wives, God's like, it is so important to him. He says, you don't treat them well because our wives are his daughters. He says, you don't treat them well. He says, oh, you forget it. Forget it. We need to be careful. We need to be mindful of the way that we're doing that. And I just think of it like I have, I have the, my two daughters. And I'm like, whoever they marry, they had better treat them so, so, so well. Like, are you kidding me? You want to mistreat my daughter and ask me for anything? Not a chance. Right? Every father in here has a daughter. I was like, no way. Like, I'll go to prison for them. Like, don't. Like, no, you better be careful. Like, no. No. We, we have that in us. We understand it. And God looks in that same way. And we need to treat them with the respect and the honor that they deserve. Treat them with the respect and honor that they deserve. And then we're going to start on this one right here, and that's this one. The next one we're going to get to is this, is fasting. There is something spiritual that happens when we fast. There's something spiritual that happens. And there's actually a story in Matthew where a man brings his son to Jesus' disciples, and they pray for him, and they take authority over an evil spirit that's attacking his son, but nothing happens. And so he brings his son to Jesus, and he says, I took him to your disciples, and nothing happened. He's like, can you, can, can you help? And Jesus says, yes. And he prays. He commands the evil spirit to leave, and it leaves. And later, the disciples come to Jesus. They come to Jesus, and they're like, hey, why, why couldn't we do that? Like, what happened? Because what we've been doing has been working, but in this case, it did not work. What happened? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 Jesus answered, and he says, however, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. There is a strength that we receive, a place that we achieve, that we get when we include fasting in our prayer. Prayer and fasting. Fasting is to be a regular Christian discipline that we use in our lives. A regular Christian discipline, Matthew 6.16 says this, and when you fast, Jesus is talking. He doesn't say if, he says when. If I say if, it's like it might happen, it might not. If I say when, it's like, oh, it's going to happen. Jesus expected this is what his followers would do. If you're a follower of Christ, this is something that Jesus expects you and I to do to fast. He expects us 
two fasts. It is a regular discipline. And really, a fast, as it's outlined in Joel and other places in the Bible, is really a 24 hours where we deny ourselves food and instead we say, God, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to take this time to seek after you. Paul said it this way. He says, I beat my body into submission. He says, I I beat it into submission. My body's going to do what I want it to do. I want to be spirit-led, not carnally led. I don't want my body to lead me. God, I'm going to be spirit-led. And one of the ways that we achieve that, that we do that, is through fasting. A fast, again, is typically is 24 hours. And it's not just not eating. Not eating is a bad diet, okay? That's not it. It's instead you say, God, you're more important than food. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to seek after you. And these times that normally I would be eating, I'm going to spend some time seeking after you through prayer, through your word, and through worship. Or one of the other. It doesn't have to, you don't have to try to do that all at the exact same time. But you do something and you say, okay, you know, for my lunchtime, I'm just going to go sit in the car. I'm going to turn on some worship music and I'm just going to, I'm going to worship you. Or I'm going to haul up my Bible. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to seek after you in this time. And we build up our spirit. I heard somebody say, we basically, we turn up the volume on the supernatural, on the spiritual. We tune ourselves into it. We fine-tune into it through fasting. Typically, it's 24 hours. We look in the Bible, they did it from sundown to sundown. Where we say, God, I'm going to do this. So if it is not, if fasting is not a regular discipline in your life, I challenge you to make it one. To make it one, because here's what God's word says. There's things that we will not be able to do until we have added that discipline, until we have put our body in place and say, okay, God, I want you more than anything else. And it's not just food. We don't get to just say, okay, well, I'm not eating, and that's it. We say, God, I'm going to seek after you in this time. I'm going to seek after you with all that you have. Typical fast, again, 24 hours. If you feel that God's calling you to do a different fast, absolutely, go for it. Uh, there was a while back, uh, before we launched the church, I was like, you know, I feel God wants me to do a week fast. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to make that work? And after a while, it's a little bit harder to work. And I'm like, I'd like to, I'd like to really just take that whole time and set it aside and just seek after God that whole time. Um, I was like, okay, I'd like to do that. I think I should, but I don't know. And uh, honestly, it was, it was amazing. But like a week or two later, a buddy calls me up and says, hey, how are things going? We hadn't planted the church yet. Um, he says, how, how's that coming? I said, it's going really good. And then he says, well, do you need, do you need money? And I'm like, do we need money? I'm like, we're raising 325000 Yes, we do. And he's like, no, 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 not, not the church. He said, do you? And I was like, Honestly, we're good. Thanks. He's like, oh, okay. And then later in my quiet time, I'm, I get that feeling again, man, I'd really like to be able to do this a, a longer fast. And I'm like, but I don't know how that's going to work financially. I'm like, uh, if I don't work, I'm like working construction type of stuff. I'm like, if I don't work, the money doesn't come in. I'm like, should I just do this and what should I do? And instantly I'm like, oh, God's like, I already sent you the answer and you told him no. And I'm like, I did. How dumb does it get? Like, really? He called. He asked if I wanted money. I said no. That doesn't even make sense as I look at it in hindsight. Like, at all. Like, at all, at all. Ran into the guy and I said, hey, does that offer still stand? He goes, I wondered how long it'd take you. 
And I'm like, really? He said, absolutely. And I was able to do that. But I love it. I did feel, hey, this is what God calls you to do. If God calls you to do something, then say, okay, God, how can I do this and make this work? But again, a typical fast is 24 hours. God calls you to do two, three, five. That's great. Uh, Jesus did 40 days. Moses went 40 days. Those were supernatural. Absolutely. But that is what that is. And here's our heart. Our heart is, again, that your prayer life would be more fun, more effective, and more powerful than it has ever been. That you'd remove obstacles and you would step into all that God has for you. Because we want to see you. And our mission is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.